Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Anna Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the big bad budget edition. This week, we're talking about how the Senate budget might totally transform education in Ohio, what Frank LaRose says issue one is really about, why LGBTQ groups are increasingly worried about a parental bill of rights, and what we learned from the FBI's secret recordings of Larry Householder. Joining me this week in our brand spanking new studio is Laura Bischoff. Hey, hey. Yeah, it's nice to, to be back. Or I guess to be in the new space. We've been huddled around uh, a tiny mic very, very up close and personal with each other for the last few weeks. So this is a nice change. Our first topic is, of course, the budget. Senate Republicans released their plan for Ohio on how it should spend its tax dollars over the next two years. And my big takeaway was, wow, this would change how Ohio educates its children at every level. Yeah, kindergarten all the way through college campuses. It it looks like they're going to roll in. Senate Bill 83 has to do with uh, making sure there's no obvious bias, I guess, on college campuses and would restrict what university professors are allowed to do and how how they'd have to do it, and there'd be more transparency. And then also that Senate Bill 1, which is kind of oversight of K-12 education, kind of revamping it and having it so that the instead of having the state board of education pick the superintendent, it would be the governor's office, right? Yeah. And then they also put in a plan for universal vouchers. And every student in Ohio, every K through 12 student would be eligible for a school voucher. But as your income rose, the value or the amount of that voucher would go down. So if you're a family of four, like I am, and you make $135,000, you get the full amount. But above that, you'd see like step decreases down to uh, about 10% of the total voucher, which is about 600 bucks a year. So everyone gets something, but you know, many, many, like seven out of 10 Ohioans would be eligible for the full amount. I got to think that like the parochial schools are are really happy about this because, you know, it would help ease the burden of of paying for tuition for for kids in those schools? Yeah, that's one of the big questions. So obviously they don't have capacity, which is like just physical seats to accommodate if suddenly every parent in Ohio woke up and wanted to send their kid to private school, which wouldn't happen. But if it did, let's say they just don't have the capacity to take those kids, at least from the LSC, which is like the folks who like analyze different bills. They think that the majority of these vouchers will be taken by kids who are already in private school. And so, yeah, I think that would free up more money for those private schools to spend on other things or perhaps to build more capacity. And this is really just sort of an expansion of the school choice movement, which has been marching right along in Ohio for decades. Yeah. And the other interesting things in the budget was there was a $1.5 billion proposed tax cut. That would be a combination of income taxes 
and business taxes. So they'd be dropping both. They wanted to do a $1 billion sales tax holiday in August 2024. So most items like under 500 bucks would be tax-free for about two weeks. They also proposed a $1 billion fund for local projects. So it's like if your district has a very specific thing that it wants, they could apply, they could try to get it. There was like all kinds of stuff in the budget. There were a lot of little earmarks um, in the House version of the budget uh, for various projects. Yeah. Um, And I think it was a matter of like Matt Huffman the Senate president, he he wasn't real keen on having all these little earmarks. So instead they set aside this uh, project fund. And you said it was like, a, what, a, a, a billion, billion dollars. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a lot of projects. Yeah, it is. Well, Ohio has a lot of money, actually. Um, we have excess dollars left over from the last budget. We have more money than we thought we would have. We're f- still flush with some COVID cash. Like, I suppose it's a good problem to have, but we have so much money that there's a big debate about how to spend it. Right. And the Republicans in general would like to give money back to the taxpayers. They, their default is tax cut. And we'll see how it all works out. So constitutionally, the budget has to be done by end of June. Senate is expected to pass it next week. And then basically, there's a Senate version, a House version, and a governor's version. And after the Senate passes theirs, they're all going to get in a little room together, and they're going to fight it out, and they're going to decide who gets what, and then we'll have a final budget. Yeah, that's called a conference committee. Yeah. And, you know, they've got three weeks to do it, but they usually have about this much time left when they get there. I don't know. I mean, I recall when uh, Larry Householder was a speaker, He um, it went into July. Remember, there was a... Oh, that's it, it right. It went on and on. So it is a pleasant surprise to see things on schedule. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our second topic is issue one. That's the proposal we're all going to be voting on in that special August election. It asks voters whether they want to make it harder to amend the state constitution, raising the threshold for changes from a simple majority of 50% plus one vote to a supermajority of 60%. It's a really big deal, and Secretary of State Frank LaRose has been saying for months that this is just a good governance issue that transcends any one topic. But as our colleague Haley B. Miller found out this week, LaRose has been at least telling one group of conservatives that this is a 100% about abortion. Yeah, he made these remarks at a Lincoln Day dinner somewhere up in Northwest Ohio. And a lot of other Republicans have, have been saying that out loud, is that this is about abortion and we want to we change the Constitution and make it harder so that the folks who are in the field right now circulating petitions to you know, get on the ballot in November, that they'll have a, a much higher hurdle to clear. It's interesting because the right of the people, the voters, to take issues to the statewide ballot have, have been in place in the Ohio Constitution for 120 years. And the right to referendum, the right to state-initiated statute or citizen-initiated statute and, and citizen-initiated constitutional amendments has led to some major policy changes in Ohio, like uh, tying the minimum wage to inflation, banning smoking at indoor um, workplaces, legalizing casino gambling. I mean, all of these are issues that the state legislature refused to budge on, 
and citizens groups then, you know, put it before the voters. Yeah. And, you know, I will say it's not exactly easy to get something on the ballot. You have to collect hundreds of thousands of signatures. Uh, Right now, you have to get them from 44 of 88 counties. Um, These signatures have to be verified if for some reason, like, you know, my voter registration says one address, but I've since moved to another, then my signature would be rejected. And that group would have time to like cure, which means call me and be like, hey, did you move? You need to update your voter registration so we can count your signature. A lot of that would be taken away. The cure period would be removed. You'd have to get signatures from all Ohio's 88 counties, like just getting the physical cost. And it costs millions and millions of dollars right now. It would be, you might have to double those costs just to get on the ballot. Right. And as it is, if you if you need to get 485,000 signatures, well, you, you better be shooting for a million because yeah. there's such a high toss out rate. Our third topic is about a proposed law called the Parents' Bill of Rights. Basically, it deals with what schools should have to disclose about students to parents and whether the state should allow any kind of discretion. Conservatives appear to think the answer is no, and that has education groups and LGBTQ groups concerned because they fear that this would force teachers to out students to parents who might abuse or neglect them. It's known as House Bill 8, and it's currently, you know, it's currently going through the House, and every time it gets an amendment, uh, Equality Ohio says the bill gets a little worse. Yeah, you know, if a kid doesn't want to share with parents that they're trans or queer and a teacher knows about it, what would be required under this bill? Disclosure. To the te- to the to the parent immediate. It's explicit in this version of the bill. And you know, it's you know, I was talking with some Democrats and they said, look, this isn't just about gay children. This is also about if I suspect maybe that a student is being physically abused, right? Or sexually abused. Obviously they're mandatory reporters that has if they have credible beliefs, teachers must report that. But they're like, what if I don't have a credible belief, but I have a vibe, right? Like this is something that Representative Brennan, Democrat, asked supporters of it. You know, what if I just have a vibe that something's off there that's making me really uncomfortable? Like there's smoke, but there's no quite fire. And, you know, the supporters of this bill say you tell the parent. Yeah, I mean, if this is stemming from the parents right to know push at the same time, there's, you know, there's it's interesting. I was looking up the Gallup poll data on identification as LGBTQ. And, you know, the, there's just a much larger percentage of um, this generation of, of young people that identify as LGBTQ, like I think it's in the Generation Z, it's almost 20%. Yeah. And this is one of those ideas that come up a lot in this kind of legislation and this kind of coverage. So groups like Equality Ohio make the case that once we decided that left-handers, I will admit I am a left-hander, like myself, were not of the devil. Like we saw a huge spike in people who were left-handed. That didn't mean that there were more left-handers. It just meant that like we felt more comfortable being left-handed. But, you know, conservatives say that this is a sign that people are being brainwashed. So, you know, they come at it from such a wildly different perspective on what that data means that I just, I don't know, I don't see any way to compromise. I would assume that uh, the total number of people who are LGBTQ, that it's, it's spread evenly across Republicans and Democrats. Our fourth and final topic is about secret FBI recordings. I thought I'd end on a little bit of a juicy note. Former Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder was found guilty earlier this year on federal racketeering charges for accepting a $61 million bribe in exchange for legislation to bail out two nuclear power plants. I think you guys have heard me talk about this case a lot. But it turns out, um, as we learned during trial, that federal investigators have been watching him for a long time and secretly recording conversations between him and people like former lobbyist Neil Clark. And this week, our colleague Jesse Ballmer got uh, to listen in on what those conversations were like. Actually, it was a switcheroo. The 
FBI was investigating, they were up on Neil Clark's phone and were recording there the phone phone calls mm. that Neil was having. And they were never they were never tapped into Larry Householder's phone. So these were all um, calls that or calls and meetings that were kind of originated from Neil Clark. There were some undercover FBI agents who were posing as real estate developers in Cincinnati, and they were um, seeking state help with getting sports betting at, at this supposed hotel that they were developing. And they hired Neil Clark. Well, anyway, only a small segment of the recordings were played at trial that um, Jesse Ballmer and I sat through and. Which and, makes sense. You don't right. want to bore people with hours of tape. No. Anyway, so they, they the the um, the judge held the exhibits, the evidence exhibits, until the end of the trial, and those just recently became available, like within the last couple of weeks. And it's taken that long for Jesse and I to kind of plow through some of these recordings because I was thinking, well, there's got to be other juicy stuff in there. <laughs> and anyway, Jesse did a um, kind of zeroed in on the way that Householder and Clark just sort of freewheeled it when they they didn't think anybody was listening, on strategy and gossip and bravado. And, you know, it was and interesting. a little bit of swearing. Oh, and lots and lots. <laughs> it was laced with profanity. And, you know, I always got the sense that they weren't necessarily true friends, but they were definitely allies and they were on the same page. Is it kind of like the uh, enemy of my enemy is my friend? Well, it's interesting because, like, they used to be, like, they were definitely not friends. Um, in Householder 1, when he first served as speaker, mm-hmm. they were kind of um, bitter adversaries. And then um, and then even uh, Clark worked for Householder's primary opponent when, when Householder was making a comeback. But then they decided to bury the hatchet and, and team up. And um, They were frenemies. They were frenemies. That's the word I was looking for. Anyway, that's where, that's where, we, uh, where we got... It's interesting, Neil Clark... Or, I'm sorry, Larry Householder said that he had a love-hate relationship with Neil Clark in that Neil Clark loved to hate him. And one more thing before you go. Ohio lawmakers want the state to not only be the heart of everything here on Earth, they're lobbying the federal government to locate the Air Force's new U.S. Space Command here in the Buckeye State. A bipartisan group of federal lawmakers joined with state business leaders and the governor in making a pitch to locate Space Command here at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton. I don't know. Obviously, we're the home of John Glenn. We've got lots of stuff going for us, but I, I don't know that we get Space Command. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. It just sounds like the title of like a like a goofy um, kids movie, doesn't it? Like Space, space Balls. Force? Yeah. I don't know Space Wars. It's got a it's got a good vibe, but I definitely picture like silver metallic uniforms. Unitards. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like Koshokintribune.com. That's C-O-S-H-O-C-T-O-N-Tribune.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.